Coming up on this episode of The Break Room. Yeah. And I guess Britney Spears' Toxic was just starting to come out on the radio in 2003, so you can I get I think away a character that. even says something like, this song's gonna be huge. Yeah. Which is a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say if right. it's from Britney Spears, who's the biggest pop star on the sure. radio right now. It's not like saying, hey, you know that new sound you've been looking for? Listen to this. It's Britney fucking Spears. Welcome back to The Break Room, and for the very first Break Room movie review of this year, hit the graphic, Dashel. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Hey, today we're talking about the movie that my mom saw while researching spiders in the Amazon right before she died, Madam <laughs> Web. Oh God, your mom died? Oh, condolences. So okay, okay. I can't believe I just joked about oh, right, that. That's, okay, that's the meme, wow. that's the meme. He's talking about the meme, his mom's, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mrs. E is fine. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, hey, joining me today are Eric Voss. Hello, I'm ready to talk webs. And Jordan Morris. Hi, let's get webbed. Yeah, baby. Miss, <laughs> Madam Web, Miss Web, if you're nasty. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, normally, we have four people on this, but Jessica's feeling unwell today. But she sent her, her scores for the movie <gasps> review, so we'll... Get to those. So we'll be able to yell about her scores, but she won't be here to defend herself. I mean, there's some great scores in there. I'm excited. Um, hey, before we get into it, we're definitely gonna spoil this movie, so if you don't want any spoilers, come back and watch this later, but if you don't care, hey, stick around. Uh, so how this works is that we're gonna rate the movie into different parts. Uh, each part will get a grade of one to five, half points are okay, and then our off-screen team will be doing the math to get us our total at the end for one final score. So we'll be grading the script, the story and writing, the acting, the visuals, the directing, and the sound and score. Uh, so let's just get right into it. Uh, we're grading Madam Web today. Let's talk about this script. Uh, it's written by, screenplay credit goes to Claire Parker, uh, director S.J. Clarkson, and the writing team Matt Tazama and Burke Sharpless, who previously wrote Morbius. And they're also the executive <laughs> producers and writers for Netflix's reboot of Lost in Space. Very fun. Um, who, anyone, anyone want to hop in here? All right, we got to say from the get-go, we are creatives, we respect the creative process, and we know that filmmaking is hard, yeah. okay? The flaws of this movie, of which there are many, are not to be put upon the creatives alone, and we understand that when you're writing the screenplay, it's not just one person going off into a cabin in New Hampshire and just putting their creative genius onto the page. Maybe that works for Tarantino, that does not work for these movies. These movies are art by committee, and in this case, I think any uh, flaws I, I can find with the script are to be blamed on the studio. Because I think there, there was a good script at some point, and this movie got noted to hell. The edits that we can see happening in real time yeah. during this movie are mind-boggling. Yeah. But at the end of the day, the script, whether it's by committee or by one person, has to be held accountable and I am giving the script a one out of five. This was a, uh, it was a blueprint that was made by several people and whatever the shooting script is, I think uh, even from conception, Madam Web, I think it is a, a flawed approach to make this Madam Web story, to make this Cassandra Web story. You could still have it be about a relationship between Madam Web and the three spider women in the same way that like, I, I, you know, I'm trying to remember who it was who used to run um, United Artists, and she's one of the great, Lindsay, whatever, she's like one of the greatest like screenwriting gurus, um, and she said that like, when you're trying to break a story, the most important thing is not like who your hero is, and what is the core dramatic relationship of your story, mm. and I think, anytime I look at a movie now, since I went to that lecture, I was like, oh, if, if, if there's not a clear relationship at the heart of it, it's going to have story problems. And I think this movie is like, what is Cassandra Webb's relationship with her mom or with herself? And I think like right there, it could have just been a story about a spider woman about like even Sydney Sweeney, who is a bigger star now than Dakota yeah. Johnson <laughs> is. Like, why not just make this a spider woman story? You could still call it Madam Web, but it's about a relationship between a spider woman and a mentor who's a clairvoyant. Yeah. Uh, to have this be so focused on Madam Web, I just making think it kind of a Karate Kid story. Yeah, you could have oh, done that, and yeah. and it would have been such a stronger story just to see like uh, about like a woman who can see the future and a spider woman who is connected to that web of life and destiny. Instead, it was about this like moody EMT 
who right. has clear uh, on the page problems. So that's why I give the script a one out of five. <laughs> I've gone on for a long time. Yeah, no, uh, I, I will say this movie uh, has Charlie Brown's Christmas tree energy at this point. <laughs> like there are many places online to hear about the flaws of this movie. I think it does some things really well that people yeah. aren't giving it credit for. Yeah. Um, the script is not one of them. And I think it's, yeah, it's everything you said. Like, this really smacks of, they got tons of notes, they were they did reshoots, there's ADR. Um, the main character, uh, Cassandra Webb, uh, she is a, she's a, she, uh, she's a cranky EMT. She doesn't like family, she doesn't like kids, she doesn't like anything. And there's this moment early on in the movie where she feeds a stray cat. That cat does not come back in the movie. <laughs> She's there once. He watches her. He watches her uh, fall, like when she tries to climb yeah. her bedroom wall, and she like falls down. She's like, "Oh yeah, right, okay." There's one other cat. Time. Okay, the cat is there yeah. twice, uh -huh. and you know, there's the old screenwriting trick: save the cat. Right. right. It's it's something they teach you in film school. If you have a character that's unlikable, have mm -hmm. them be nice to a cat, and the audience will love them. The, that cat stuff to me points to what probably went on with this movie. Yeah. Is this main character is coming off? super unlikable, you don't know where she's coming from. So like, just put her feed in the cat and she'll be fine. And <laughs> it, it, there's a lot of like, things that are like, feel like quick fixes that don't fix the movie. Yeah. Uh, so yes, there, there are some good things about this movie that I think we could talk about l in later categories. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, some fun acting, some fun core ideas, uh, but the script is a real problem, it's a one. Yeah, I do think that like, um, the cat thing is so, it's so interesting because like we, just mere moments before that, we watch her like be unable to interact with a child who's trying to give her a picture to be like, thanks for saving my mom. And she's right. like, I don't know what to do with this. I don't want this. And then if we're, if the cat, you know, if it's like, oh, but we can make her likable and redeemable, like, as long as she feeds this cat. Sure, like, yeah. You just, we just watched her, like, refuse a picture from Yeah, that child. scene with the kid is really painful. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. I understand that people who are paramedics are not all part of the same stereotypical group of people that we might see on other shows, but, like, they have some bedside manner. They do what yeah. they do because they like saving lives and helping yeah. people. Mm -hmm. Like, they have that kind of, like, instinct. They, I don't think they would react that way. Yeah. And even the writing, this is why I'm okay accusing the script, because... Some of the dialogue when she goes, This is how do I fold it? It's like cardboard. <laughs> it's not cardboard, it's clearly construction paper. Yeah, it's not hard to that's fold. A weird like there's so many weird jokes that like someone on sets like have her say this. I don't know if it was improvised. In the opening scene, the uh the prologue with uh Constance, her mother, like there's a line where Ezekiel Sims is holding her at gunpoint, she goes, Don't make this decision. Don't make this decision. And it's like, I understand that the theme of the story <laughs> is about destiny and about life choices and life paths, but no one, if they have a gun in their face, is going to say, don't make this decision. Right. Yeah. Don't make this decision. We're all part of the same web, you and I. Decisions yeah. have consequences <laughs> right. that you may regret in your life path in the future. It's like, honestly, there are, I hate, I hate to say this because you see this online so much and it's so unfair, but there are moments where it felt like AI wrote this line. Sure. And I know that's not the case. I know it's not fair to say that. And often, I honestly think in that case, it was the edit because I think yeah. the actress was just like, I'm gonna say this twice so that we have coverage. Sure. And I think someone in the room was like, oh, leave this is the theme it. of the movie. Have yeah. her say it twice so that it's underlined. Yeah. And I don't think the actress intended it that way. Yeah. yeah, I agree with a lot of the points you guys were saying earlier too, especially the one about like, having one of the other like spider women be like the leads of this movie and then having um, like Dakota Johnson's Madam Web kind of be a mentor or be someone that like can guide this through. I think it was an odd choice to, I think the character is very interesting, the history of the character, not maybe not the version that we're presented with, but I think it was an odd choice to kind of like not bring those girls more forefront, you know, more to the forefront of the story in a way that can like, they can use their powers because so much of like the marketing of this movie, which we were talking sure. about early on, was just like, oh, this like team up between all these spider characters. And what we got was a bunch of girls using CPR to save right. their yeah. like new millennial friend. Right. Although <laughs> I think that's something you could say for this movie. It does legitimately teach you how to do CPR. It does. Yeah. It's it so, is unfair. And we should be clear. This movie might save lives. Yeah. <laughs> Those girls are millennials. I believe Dakota Johnson's technically a Gen Xer based off of the timeline of this movie, right? If she's oh, 30 in 2003, right. would yeah, that be yeah. Gen X? It's yeah. Uh we can I also have to like take issue with the fact that 
they decided to set this in 2003 for what thematic reason? Yeah. <laughs> I guess so there's an there's the NSA plot line, right? Yeah. Where yeah. where uh, uh, um, Shoshana from Girls, what's her name? Zoshamamet. She is like the gal in the chair for right. Ezekiel Sims. And she's like, they're putting surveillance cameras all over the place. So there's a little bit of like, post 9-11 commentary. Yeah, but they don't reference it other than right. that. Like they yeah. could talk about like, uh, they could show Ground Zero, but they don't. I guess that'd be too depressing yeah. in 2003. <laughs> yeah. um, but like they don't reference like the, the war on terror. They don't reference the surveillance state other than just like the NSA has this new technology. That could be as relevant to now, to 2014, right. to 2003, to even before 9-11. The surveillance state was happening. Yeah. So I just, I feel like it, they the reason they said it when they said it is because they wanted to establish a baby Peter Parker as yeah. perhaps the Tom Holland, a Originally, it was going to be in the 90s. It was going to be perhaps this is Andrew Garfield's version of the character. And they wanted it to be like a Ben Parker, Peter Parker, Mary yeah. Parker origin story. And the movie does not need any of that. Yeah. I, I know. And I, that's a good point. And I think with a lot of these movies, when you're kind of wondering about where they fit in the timeline, they create these wishy-washy movies where you're not sure because just they're seeing what hits. And mm -hmm. if the movie's a failure, you can just say it's Elseworlds and yeah. get rid of it. And then, but if it's a hit, they can be like, that was baby Tom Holland in yeah. there yeah. and blow everybody's yeah. mind. So I think they, they're purposefully nebulous with continuity because mm -hmm. they just want to see what does well. I mean, I think the, the recent Flash movie is a great example mm -hmm. of like, yeah. when does this happen? What universe is this in? We don't know if it's yeah. a success, then it's in the main continuity. So yeah, yeah that it really feels like that. I think it's okay to uh, criticize them for this because, as we pointed out, the the post 9/11 era of the surveillance state in Manhattan is a fascinating period to revisit, sure. mm -hmm. and there is a lot that you could say about that. Mm -hmm. And this movie just kind of uses it yeah. as an excuse to have Ezekiel Sims have like a master bird's eye view of the city, yeah. and we don't get into it thematically, and it's just such a missed opportunity because. Having an, a clairvoyant versus someone with like a master view of the city, like that's an interesting battle of yeah, God's eye versus yeah. God's eye, and you sure. don't get to it. Right. Like they just like used it and then they abused it. <laughs> and and just uh, yeah, on that on that note, psychic ambulance driver. That's a show your mom watches on CBS. That runs for 10 seasons on CBS. <laughs> your mom tells you to watch it every time you have dinner with her. Holy um, I'll watch that. Yeah. yeah. So Maybe it's yeah. Tiffany Amber Thyssen. I don't know. Yeah, I'll watch that. It's, yeah, it's, um, and I think we've, we're glossing over the fact that just the basic script problems of structure issues, sure. of uh, the heroes going out into the woods and then she leaves, leaves them there them. and is able to drive back to her home even though she's like, there's an Amber Alert out. Yeah. yeah. She drives like a stolen taxi for like at least a day and a half and just it's because on, she removes the plates. It's on the news constantly, yeah. but she just seems to wander around in the world yeah. causing chaos yeah. and nothing happens She's to able her. to fly to Peru. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't even show. Oh, I, was yeah. like, I was like, this is going to be where think, some tension yeah. is. Yeah. And she just gets there. She yeah. gets there. Despite <laughs> the surveillance right. state that we're talking about, the NSA is all powerful, yet yeah. a wanted criminal can fly with her passport after 9-11. It was hard to just get a normal flight after 9-11. <laughs> there was like, everyone was on the no-fly list after 9-11. Same like, day, too. She just seems to. She's there. Yeah. How expensive was that plane ticket, oh, too? And no Paddington cameos, so that's unforgettable. <laughs> um, we could talk about this too in in later segments. Yeah. Um, but also our villain Ezekiel Sims, we don't get any information Nothing. about him. Yeah. It's yeah. a cool idea, right? It's one of the coolest ideas the movie has. Is mm -hmm. like, what if there was a serial killer Spider-Man? Mm -hmm. yeah. Awesome idea. I want to see that movie. Um, but they don't do anything to develop the character. And and I guess you could say that sometimes that less is more thing works mm. for villains, especially like serial killer type villains, right? It's it's The Strangers, a movie I think we all really like. Mm. You don't get tons of information about those characters. It's scary. But this really just smacks of there was backstory and they cut it out. So yeah. you just yeah. have this generic barefoot guy who walks around <laughs> barefoot <laughs> and all of his lines are ADR'd I mean, and you don't know why he's doing anything other than he has a vision that he's gonna die. Walking around the New yeah. York subways barefoot. Like yes! that's mm, oh, with fire. Yeah, like yeah. he, uh, uh, I really think that there might've been more, Ezekiel Sims on the pages of the comics is a big weirdo, he's barefoot and he's pretty cool. Right. But he's got this like relationship <laughs> with Morlun. He's, he's defeated when he's steps on an old dog food lid and gets tetanus. <laughs> he's like, I think he's barefoot so that like he can grab 
grapple onto buildings and like using his feet. Sure. Uh, as opposed to like yeah. he's But he's got the shoes. suit has feet in it, so <laughs> yeah, that like doesn't a, that's anyway. where does the suit come from? Right. Yeah, that's <laughs> another thing. Why does he have it? a yeah. Spider-Man suit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, at least visually, it's linked with the Aranya tribe, where sure. they have like kind of the red skin with the webbing over themselves. He has like the cool. black spandex like with the red wiring over it. So I like that. Inverse was interesting, but he didn't like. I honestly think that there was a draft of the script where his backstory was like Miguel O'Hara's backstory from Across the Spider Verse. Oh, sure. Like he yeah. can see the web of life and destiny, and he's trying to control it too sure. much. Mm -hmm. So maybe the studio's like, "Ooh, well, this is gonna be a billion dollar movie. We don't want it to be too derivative of that. So why don't we just ADR some lines in where he says like." I had to make different choices. Like when he has her at gunpoint in yeah. the Amazon, like doesn't he say like my family had to, I had to make different sacrifices. I've been looking for that spider for years. Like I rewatched the scene and I was like, I still don't know exactly what, where you're coming from. <laughs> yeah. And then he's motivated by fear that these three women are going to kill him yeah. in the future. And it's just like, it, it's selfish in a way that, okay, we can write that off as an evil character, but it feels like, so foolish and so stupid that he doesn't think that there's a, any other way to avert this fate. Yeah. Uh, the fact that he could use this technology just from his dream vision to reconstruct their faces with this technology so when they were funny. masked in the vision. Yes. How are they <laughs> this is what God. it would look like unmasked. Them. So funny. Yeah. So in funny. 2003, like if the NSA was that powerful in 2003, I'm telling you. All kinds of shit would have been averted. <laughs> we would not be living in the world we'd yeah. be living in. No crime would happen. I, I do think that they probably set the movie in 2003 just so they could use Toxic in a really fun way. Which, if that's the case, worth it. Worth it. Yeah. There's some good wonderful. needle drops in the movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Britney Spears is Toxic being one of them. And you get to hear it a lot because it's in one of those like, replay <laughs> type scenarios. Yeah, so. yeah. It's a banger. It's a banger. banger. This is a cold take, but it's a banger. Uh, all right, so to to wrap things up on this section, I'll also give the script a one. So that's a one all around. And looking at Jessica's scores, Jessica said it's one point five. Boo! <laughs> Ooh, somebody loves Madam Web. Yeah. Someone's into Madam Web. Her reasoning, she's on the Sony payroll. <laughs> Her reasoning was, you know, it was a finished feature script, which is hard to do. Good that's point. fair. That's, that's a great that point. That is fair. That's true. Um, all right, so moving on to. The acting. So, you know, it's got a huge uh, cast. We've got Dakota Johnson, Tahar Rahim, Sydney Sweeney, Isabella Merced, Celeste O'Connor, Adam Scott. How are you guys feeling? Hmm. I'm also happy to start. Yeah, yeah, you start. I genuinely, um, after watching the movie, I was like, man, it'd be really funny to, or not funny, it'd be really cool to work with Dakota Johnson. I think I that think she. So has something really interesting. I've, I think besides Social Network and The Office, the only thing I've seen her kind of like lead or helm is uh, the Suspiria remake, which, you yeah. know, your mileage on that may vary, but I thought she was very, it was, she was kind of interesting in that movie. There's this like, the, the kind of like monotone, disaffected thing that she does and she excels at doesn't always work. And especially in this movie, doesn't quite work for, for parts of it. Um, but I think that, there's something interesting here and something about what she does best drew her, I think, to this story, right? I think she's in her very funny press tour. She's been like, mm -hmm. they changed the script so much. I can't even tell you how much they changed it. Yeah. I'd be but, fascinated to read the original. Exactly. Script. I right. bet it's good. I bet there's a good version of this yeah. movie yeah, floating around yeah. somewhere. A hundred percent. And so I think that there's probably something a version of this where like if without the cuts that we've gotten, there was some version of her that was maybe legitimately a bit more fun on the screen. Yeah. But I don't know, how do you guys feel? Yeah, I, I, I don't think Dakota Johnson is the problem with this movie. I think there's some lines where she seems a little ambient-y, uh, and uh, those aren't great, but I do think there are some moments where she really shines. Mm -hmm. She's got the rom-com chops. She's done it, <laughs> and it comes through in some scenes in this movie. There's a scene that I really liked uh, where she's at a baby shower. It might be for baby Peter Parker. We don't know. And her like visions are kicking in. So she's kind of like ruining this baby shower with her weird visions. I think it's funny. I think she does a good job with yeah. it. And I think there are several moments like that that seem like they're pulled from other movies, right? Yeah. They seem like they're from, yeah, different genres. And I think she's pretty good. And yes... Loving the super honest press tour. Um, you gotta love the like children of a uh, the child of a famous person who 
knows that they can never fail, <laughs> so they can just say whatever they want to. Um, yeah, I, I think she's got she's got star quality, and I, I don't think the movie's her fault. And also, I think the some of the Spider Women are really good. Yeah, and I think they have a good chemistry. Um, yeah. They're pretty. They're a little underdeveloped. They all have like one character trait. Yeah. Um, another script problem. But yeah, I think they have some good chemistry, and I think I really, I, I felt pretty emotional during some of the found family stuff. Okay. There's a moment where, uh, you know, she's in the hospital, and uh, the nurse comes in. All the all the spider women are around her. Uh, Dakota Johnson, and the nurse is like, um, um, this is for immediate family only. And Dakota Johnson says, they're all mine. And I liked it. I do think that they kind of have a fun bond. I think this same cast with a different script probably would have turned out a pretty killer Mm. movie. Um, Yeah, so I I didn't hate the acting in this movie. I think Ezekiel Sims is the weak link. He clearly, I mean, they've ADR'd so much of him. There was maybe a performance problem. I don't know. I've heard this actor's been great in other things. Mm -hmm. I suspect... There are other great movies with him out there. Uh, this is not it. I think he's the weak link. Um, but yeah, I think there's some moments where the acting was fun. So I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna say three for the acting. Mm. Yeah, I, I hear what you guys are saying, and I I do think it in the same way that it's unfair to criticize the screenwriter for something that the studio did to right. it, but you still have to hold the screenwriter in some sure you know some regard because every movie goes through that, mm-hmm. and sometimes screenwriters are really good at dealing with the notes and still coming out with something good, and right. I think like Marcus McFeely did a good job of that uh, for the Spider-Man movies for Sony, Eric Pearson, and whoever uh, Christopher for something uh they've been really good at like still coming up with a pretty good script for each of those times and it's the same studio who produces those movies mm-hmm. we're for the actors i agree with you i think the actors are not the problem but i think the casting is okay mm-hmm. uh and i uh and i really like dakota johnson i i think i like dakota johnson more in like interviews than i do on screen <laughs> sure <and books>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. because between this press tour and her appearances on ellen i yeah. just love her and i i watch her and everything for that reason alone can, can dakota johnson just do junkets for movies that don't exist we, we create a fake poster yeah they bring her back for the next spider-man yeah. movie so she can be like yeah i remember spider-man here he is and spider-man he's back again or whatever she said about those movies <laughs> she oh, would be gosh. she would be great in that regard um i think it's it's we should Maybe, I mean, the Oscars are now recognizing casting. And I think, sure. you know, just as like a side tangent here, I think, honestly, I would be more interested in this movie if Dakota Johnson's mother, Melanie Griffith, played uh, Cassandra Webb. Mm. Um, because I think the part should be an older actress. And I think yeah. the fact that Dakota Johnson is in it, it's not Dakota Johnson's fault, but it is ageism in Hollywood. The fact that they cast like a young 30-something-year-old actress to play like a young... That's not what makes Madame Webb an interesting character in the pages of the comics. She's an old clairvoyant who's in this awesome steampunky chair who screams about the future. And that's what it should be. We fell in love with Cassandra (laughs) Webb from the fact that Joan Lee voiced the character in the Spider-Man animated series. So the fact that Sony thinks that the only reason we'll watch this character on screen is if Dakota Johnson plays her, I think is ageism. And maybe that is true for international markets, but I think there is a version of this movie where Sydney Sweeney is a star, so you get yeah. the young starlet in there, and then you have someone like a Helen Mirren, you have a Meryl Streep, a Meryl Streep probably would never do this movie, <laughs> but you could have a Laura Dern. Oh yeah, someone, sure, sure, There's sure. all types oh, wow. of actresses who might be 50 plus who would kill in this role, yeah. and we don't get to see that because Sony just thinks the worst of us. Um, but the reason I'm okay giving this movie low scores for acting is we have seen, with the same studio, examples of movies where they have subpar scripts that are lifted by the performance of sure. an actor who's making a choice. The Venom movies should not be as good as they are, <laughs> right? but right. Tom Hardy carries those movies, <laughs> yes. and he makes a bizarre, unhinged choice, and the movie is better off for it. Dakota Johnson's choice in this was a non-choice. I think she's yeah. like, I'm going to play cool okay. millennial, early 2000s, who doesn't get along with kids. She didn't have to play it that way, mm-hmm. and I think that's just what she brought sure. to it, and I think the movie missed out. Uh, I think this is a movie where the cast is like, it's less than the sum of its parts. And I think part of it is they're just confused by what this movie's trying to be. They're edited to hell. Uh, and that no re- no one in the cast is really able to shine because yeah. of the way this movie was cut. I, I, I can single out, I mean, Adam Scott had some fun moments. Anya Corazon, the actress playing her, had some great 
uh, line reads. I even think Maddie Franklin, Celeste O'Connor was really trying hard, but like she's just cut in a specific way sure. to yeah. look so unlikable in these scenes where she's just so outright weird. hostile and mean. Uh, and it's like, you just met this person. Why yeah. are you insulting it? Like, I understand if you want to be, if you want to bully the woman who kidnapped you, but these other girls, yeah. right? I, I just didn't. I, I was just disappointed, and uh, and I never really got a chance to see any of these actors do what I know what they can do. All right, so what's your number score, Eric? I'm gonna give it a two out of five. Okay, two, three. three. I think it's gonna be a three for me ultimately. I um I do I agree with everything you guys are saying, and I think that um just about that baby shower scene. I just mm -hmm. remember when she walks into the barbecue. Whatever her lines are, are terrible. They're terribly written lines. Like, whatever the joke is, it's bad. But I remember the timing and the cadence, and I was like, okay, there's something here. Something here. Yeah, um, she's, she's done this before, <laughs> yeah, and yeah. she can she can kill a rom-com type moment. Um, yeah. And, you know, with anything similar to that, she does well. But mm -hmm. other stuff, not so much. Yeah, and the last thing I'll say is I think that it was fun to see Sydney Sweeney play a little bit, like, against type. Like, having really mm -hmm. only seen her in, like, uh, the parts of Euphoria that I've seen, and like um, any anyone but you and White Lotus, like it was nice to see her play like a more, I don't know, like conservative character that's yeah. like like really unsure of themselves. As well. Yeah. Um, all right, and from Jessica, two point five. Okay. Which is uh, wow. around what we're saying. Acting was funny and needed better direction, which we'll get into in a little bit. Can we do point fives? We can do point fives. Round numbers. Wow. Okay. We can do point fives. This changes the game. You know what? No, I'm going to stick to whole numbers. We're going okay. back. I'm, I'm sticking to whole numbers. I'm not going to change midway. Whole, whole Voss over here. <laughs> um, all right. Voss. So next up, the visuals. This was shot by Mauro Fiore, who has an interesting background because he shot movies like Real Steel and Dark Phoenix and Spider-Man No Way Home, as far as kind of like comic, like nerdy movies have gone. Um, I feel like there's maybe not a ton of like standout stuff in this. Um, some of the CGI stuff is like interesting, I guess. Um, and yeah, I don't know. There's, it, to me, this is just very much like the visuals are just serving the job that this movie sure. is asking for of it. And it's also, you know, the movie's uh, doesn't know what it's asking of it. <laughs> and, and to be clear, we have a separate category for the direction, right? Yeah. So yeah. we're just talking about the cinematography, yeah. the, the, the storyboarding, look, the yeah. visual, the art direction, you know, just like what we see on screen as opposed to like broader story issues yeah. and, 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 you know, uh, and the cohesiveness of the movie. Yeah, I um, this is the category I'll probably give the highest score to just because I appreciated the choices that were being made. Uh, a lot of it was just like, it wasn't just the editing. It wasn't just like, the shot composition, it was like the way they wanted to visually tell the story and the way um, scenes dovetailed with each other. And I, I did appreciate how from the beginning, uh, like Cassandra Webb's journey is to have this kind of chaotic, interconnected, like sticky existence where it's, uh, you know, the screaming of her as a child just kind of blends in with the screaming of the ambulance and even the way the the shot, it just kind of like whip pans into the ambulance mm. in the street. A lot of people are criticizing this movie violating the rule of 180, uh, which it, I think most people on like film YouTube understand the rule of 180, but it's like you can't put cameras on multiple sides of people so that their heads will like go back and forth on different <laughs> sides of the frame because it's visually confusing to the viewer. Um, so the way you do that is you just keep the cameras on a, a 180 axis around the heroes so that when you're shooting them, like if you intercut, the one person's head is always on either the left or the right side of frame. Um, this movie violates it, but I think the clip that's going around on Twitter is not it's, it's not, not how the scene is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's an extra shot or two in there. Like there's you can break the 180 too as long as you the can. character gives you a reason. I mean, you don't have to follow any rules, but it's it's you can break it easier if a character gives you a reason to cut around. Right. And I think with her movement in the scene, it I I was like kind of bummed because I was like, man, you know, again, the marketing team not knowing how to right. cut this sure. because they cut they're like, "Oh, we got to cut it for time, cut it for time." and not realizing that they're putting out a clip that makes the movie look even worse than worse. it is. Yeah. Um, but but I do it did happen though. In the scene with Ezekiel and the and the say woman in the bed, they do break the rule of 180 for no reason at all. They're sure. just sitting in a bed talking and then Ezekiel's jumping across the frame and it may, it's distracting for the scene. The scene had so many issues with it already. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know what they were trying to achieve by by breaking the rule. Uh, and again, as Evan said, it 
it's just a, it's not even a rule. You can break it all the time. Um, uh, Christopher Nolan bre- breaks it throughout the Dark Knight, and it, mm-hmm. but the the trick is you just have to keep the viewer glued to the frame in ways that every cut has to be motivated mm-hmm. yeah. by a character's action or just by some kind of tonal shift. Uh, and in this movie, it's a little too chaotic. Uh, so, but I I did really appreciate the sequence when she goes back to Peru. She gets pushed into the pool. She's mm, like yeah. ebbing in and out of like I thought that was just. I hadn't seen it look like that when yeah. characters have done that before, uh, kind of be flooded back into their past. And I thought there were just some interesting, beautiful artistic choices that were made there. So to me, that's what I liked most about the film. Mm. Yeah, I agree with a lot of this. Uh, I don't have a ton more to say about it. Um, yeah, I think it, it, the movie looks good. Uh, the problems are elsewhere. And yeah. yeah, some of those CGI moments, you could tell it's a little jankier, but they have a cool... Um, they make cool choices. And yeah, the yeah. stuff where she's in her head and connected to the universe does look kind of cool and unlike other versions of this we've seen. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess I'll, I'll I'll give it a three for the visuals. Um, uh, yeah, not having very strong opinions about it at all. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I think it's all generally very consistent too, right? Like when we see like what Maddie Franklin and Julia Carpenter and, you know, the spider women, like what they'll become, it's all very like, consistent in how they're shooting that, the look and, and everything. And it's like, they could go a, a different ways. And so it's like, well, at least they're developing a visual language. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but I also, I'll also give it a three. I'll Any? give it a three as well. All right. Uh, and from Jessica, the visuals of what? The forest? A two? I mean, we're in New York. <laughs> That's my best Jessica okay. impression. <laughs> Spot on. Um, a thousand voices. Yeah. Before we get to the rest of it, I want to shout out our sponsors like Blue Chew. BlueChew.com is an online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. Blue Chew is all done online, which means no visits to the doctor's office, no awkward conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy. Shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. It's super easy to do. Just sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. If you're skeptical or don't think you need it, try it free for a month and see. Blue Chew wants to help you have better sex. Discover your options at BlueChew.com. Chew it and do it. And we've got a special deal for our audience. Try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code BREAKROOM at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com promo code BREAKROOM to receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information. And we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring the show. And also, thanks to Jelly Bean Planet. We've got these jelly beans on the table. You've seen them. We love them. We've got uh, we've got the little papa bean container. We've got the big jar that has so many jelly beans. How many jelly beans? Uh, Forty-two point <laughs> five ounces. Of this is great beans. for my next raffle. <laughs> um, it's very good. Yeah, I've been snacking good. on them all over the uh, you've seen us eat it on the break room a lot. Um, we love eating the jelly beans, the natural flavors, plant-based colors, no GMO, no gelatin, no gluten, and no palm oil. To support our show and get some jelly beans of your own from Jelly Bean Planet, just click the link in the description below or find them on Amazon. All right, oh, so. I think I get a handful of the blue chew. <laughs> it's easy to do. <laughs> Hold on, I have to make some calls. Life finds a way. Um, all right, so our last two topics here, the direction, the directing by S.J. Clarkson. This was her first film, but she's directed a lot of television in the past uh, for some things that are more relevant to us, namely The Defenders, Jessica Jones, and also one episode of Succession, Ooh. which shows in the first couple minutes of the movie. Uh, there's, there's two sequences with Ezekiel Sims that kind of... Um, I, I saw the movie with Brandon, John, and Jessica, and we were all a little bit like, whoa, what's going on? Because there's these like snap zooms, you know, mm-hmm. that they use in succession a lot. Uh, it's in the beginning with Ezekiel and her mom, and towards the end in the fat last fight between the two of them. It's very interesting. Um, I thought it's hard to know, you know, where the line of like the, the script, you know, a weird script, and then... Um, Direction in this movie, like right. where, where those like blur or how or how separate they are. Um, I actually like some of the visual and directive choices when it's just Cassie running around being EMT. Like mm. I thought some of that stuff was like well cut, well like like this frenetic energy. There's this one shot specifically where she runs up a fire escape and they decide to hold on her the whole time and just like go up. And it's so I was like, huh, interesting swing there. Um, 
The rest of it, I'm not so sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I really like the the Tom's birthday, Tom's bachelor party episode of Succession. I think yeah, that's, that's the one. one you oh, neat! Yeah. That's yeah. a great episode. Um, I think yeah, this project was not well assigned to S.J. Clarkson. And I know again, I'm saying like, oh, I'm defending the artist, which I always will defend the artist because I think uh, she's obviously a better director than I will ever be, and I don't want to criticize. Uh, her too much but you know ultimately the buck has to stop with someone and yeah it does stop with the studio ultimately it's especially movies like this this is not like an a24 movie this is an indie movie it's a studio project <laughs> yeah. so yeah the buck stops with the studio heads but it also stops with the director uh and i think the director's most important job is like shaping the production shape making sure that the story is cohesively visually told and that everyone on set from the actors to the costumers uh, to the gaffers, to everybody, <laughs> all kind of shares a creative vision, and it's that director's job to communicate that to all departments. Mm -hmm. uh, so if a movie is not cohesive, that is a director's fault. Mm. Uh, and I feel like this movie was such a mess, and a different director might not have had those issues, uh, or might have had the same issues because this movie was doomed yeah. to fail from its conception. Um, but I think a good movie could have been made here, um, and I think either the studio just didn't have faith in S.J. Clarkson to realize that vision, or S.J. Clarkson was just overwhelmed with like what Sony gave her to do, yeah. and didn't want to mm. leave the project uh, because I don't think the director has to like give up work. Yeah. Um, but I think, um, yeah, this was—I can't say this is a well-directed movie. Yeah, I uh, I can say some nice things about the suspense and the action in this movie. I think all of that stuff is done pretty well. Uh, there's a good scene where Ezekiel Sims is chasing them in a subway, and I was mm. legitimately oh, yeah, pretty that, tense. I like that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think it just—I think part of me just really wants them okay. to do a superhero movie that's a little more slasher, tension, thriller. Sure. So I was kind of. I'm into the idea a lot, so I sure. wanted to like those elements of the movie because I think it's such a cool crumb of an idea. Yeah. Um, so I think some of those scenes kind of worked for me. Uh, you know, again, a killer that can walk on walls is such a great idea. I think some of those scenes are done pretty well. Yeah. Um, the finale at the fireworks factory is a lot of fun. Um, just putting a literal Simpsons meme into your movie. <laughs> when are they going to get to the fireworks factory? Um, I thought that scene was kind of fun. Really made me want a Pepsi. I, I drank 10 liters of Pepsi since I've seen this movie. The whole time that scene was happening, Brandon kept turning to me and being like, why are there so many explosives if it's the Pepsi company? <laughs> right, it's a fireworks factory that has Pepsi signage yeah, they, on they the They rent roof. out, they lease yeah, out their yeah. neon signs to other companies. Oh, it's, um, you're right, you're right. I'm yeah. being unfair. No, no, no. By I think the that... things you're saying are, are super legitimate. And yeah, and it's like the acting is weird. Yeah. You know, could a better director have gotten better performances out of those actors? It's a little more consistent, yeah. maybe. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think you can say some. Thing. I think yeah. you can say some yeah. nice things about the action and suspense in this yes. movie. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so I think I will go a three for mine. But uh, yeah, I understand that. When, when you yeah. listen to S.J. Clarkson and Junkin interviews, that's mm -hmm. how she talks about it. Is she wants it to be like a psychological thriller or something mm -hmm. like that? And I think that's what drew her to this project. And it's clear. You're right. The best sequences are on the train or uh, as easy goes walking into the diner like yeah. there's yeah, this kind of michael myers me. effect totally. um where you have this impending doom it but i have to wonder if the whole movie was that would it have been better maybe but it would not have been a madam webb movie it would sure. not have been a spider yeah. movie it's kind of like okay well then if that's your appeal to the project then why do this project because that's right. not what this is it's not an ezekiel sim story right. it's not a horror movie um, I don't know what tone this movie is. Yeah, and and that's the weird thing. That one, that's where it feels like maybe like some of the re-editing or additions later on were like, let's make it lighter, let's make it funnier, let's try to like get these quips, you know, in, in sure. different ways. Um, I will say, you talking about the subway scene reminded me though, I did like, when he's killing those girls, I was like, oh, like some of them are like pretty brutal for what it is, you know, like yeah. dropping like Maddie Franklin, just like breaking, literally breaking her neck or her back like, on the back of that train seat. Yeah. I was like. Yeah, because of the kind of Groundhog Day mm -hmm. nature of this, you do get to see a lot of the main characters 
get killed. Yeah. And like that's been in other comic book properties. I think there's, uh, yeah, whatever the Avengers movie where Thor can see the future, you kind of get to see oh, all the, the Avengers yeah, die. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's always neat and shocking. And I do think they do this in kind of a fun slasher way with this. But it's mm-hmm. such a brief part of um, the movie. So yeah. those, those little moments come up and you're excited to see them because you're in the movie and you're watching Ezekiel it. I Ezekiel had one other move rather than choke slam. Like, just lift someone up. He loves a choke slam. He like, loves a choke slam. When he, when he flips the knife around and stabs uh, Cassie yeah. with it, yeah. in the di- I thought that was cool. I was like, ooh, you have another move. Yeah. He's just got one move that he's doing. I think they're like, this is the least right. violent thing that we can get away with in PG-13. Like, I don't know. Why can't he just yeah. like throw them in the fryer or something? That was, yeah, you're in a diner. There's so many yeah. fun you're ways to kill someone in a diner. In front of another train yeah. in the subway. There's so many ways he can die Smash in the, the face on the flat top grill. That's oh, fun. You steal the cop's gun and and bang 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 like but Amazing. instead he just he chokes slams the cop on the subway yeah. platform yeah. right like he's got this one move and that's a missed opportunity right yeah, of yeah. like of like a plot where you have a character who can see multiple futures like seeing all those deaths in a row all those various versions would have been kind of grimly funny I think mm-hmm. I think there's a kind of a dark comedy to that of like yeah, yeah. seeing I mean it's you know Dormammu I'm here to bargain right uh-huh. yeah. uh, there's a fun version of that that we just didn't get here so yeah. yeah. Two. You got a three. I got a two. Uh, I'm also going to go two. Uh, I'm from Jessica. A one. Okay. Uh, I think Jessica also Whoa. felt similarly about uh, maybe the actress not having enough direction. Uh, and and we, I think Jessica and I disagree about the camera work. What she was saying, it was like pretty wild. But overall, that was, like I think, for her, the biggest thing missing. And last, the most important category, because it's more than half the picture, <laughs> the sound and the score. Sound. Um, hey. It does the job. <laughs> Maybe. There was some points in where the music, I was like, oh, here we go. The classic, the music is telling me how to feel moments, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Um, I, you know, I think, but I think to the point of like, you know, Ezekiel killing the, the spider women, it is, for that to be effective, there was also like sound in that moment, which is in a weird sentence. So just like if you clip that out, there was also sound. Um, but yeah, there's also like sound, effects and stuff that, to make that feel impactful. And that's, you know, gonna have to happen in order for those things to work. So, I, I don't know, a roundabout way of me saying pretty average three. <laughs> three. Um, can we give zeros? Ooh, I don't know. We, it's never been done no before. One's ever, I'm gonna I give this movie can. a zero. You like uh, if I have to give it a one, I'll give it a one. But I'm giving this movie a zero um, because at the very least, to get a one from me, you have to have a sound mix and a score that doesn't take me out and make me hate <laughs> what I'm experiencing right now. And the fact that they ADR'd every single one of his lines and they could not be bothered to even sync it yeah, well. Yeah, that, that was a problem. Bad. It yeah. was just so bad. And it wasn't just Tahar Rahim, it was Adam Scott. It was Celeste O'Connor. Yeah. There was various Dakota Johnson moments that, like, the whole movie felt like it was ADR, which, again, might have been a studio decision, but, like, then just, like, don't have dialogue in that moment. You know, yeah. like, there's there's so many ways around it. At that point, just resign. Like, this is, like, I would be embarrassed if I were a sound mixer to put my name on this movie. <laughs> like, and not just that, the, the soundtrack. The soundtrack, I think, you can say Britney Spears' Toxic is a banger. But it was so, it took me out of every, every moment. I'm like, I'd rather just sit in my car and listen to Britney Spears' Toxic than watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, the, they use Four Non Blondes' Wake Up, a song that I love, but it's like, oh, you're trying to say Wake Up O'Neal so that later when O'Neal is like dying, she says, Wake Up O'Neal. Sure. It's like so on oh, the nose that's, yeah, that's and so lame. Like, it like... Like, I guess it could be worse if they used a song that was after 2003 because they were so insistent on the movie being set in 2003. Yeah. And I guess Britney Spears' Toxic was just starting to come out on the radio in 2003. So you can I get I think away a character that. even says something like, This song's going to be huge. Yeah. Which is a ridiculous <laughs> thing to say if right. it's from Britney Spears, who's the biggest pop star on the sure. radio right now. It's not like saying, Hey, you know that new sound you've been looking for? Listen to this. It's Britney fucking Spears. She's right. had like eight number one singles. This is as point. famous as she's ever been. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> It'd be like yeah. saying Taylor Swift's new song of the summer. I, I think people are going to listen big. to I think this Taylor Swift song might be. Might you might be big. hear this in Mars it's going to be fucking time. big. It, Toxic was like probably Britney Spears' peak, right? Yeah. Like that was Onyx Hotel tour. She was like huge. 
huge so. at that point. So yeah. it just oh. felt like the people... Even more Britney trivia than I thought you'd have. Well, I saw the Onyx Hotel concert, <laughs> yeah. and it was fucking awesome. I say this as someone who loves Britney Spears, um, but yeah, I think the, the soundtrack choices were just like so uninspired and like... Like, I think you could, this is another movie, it could be like Suicide Squad, where they just, like, grip you with, like, some sure, great Sure, great choices. needle drop. Hey, Spirit in the Sky. All right, like, I'm song. Yeah. But it made me dislike these songs more, and I, sonically, this was awful to experience. So I'm giving it a zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you make a great point. I was going to give it some, like, uh, you know, I was going to give it a needle drop boost, but I think your point about the dubbing and the ADR is, like, important and it stuck out i i noticed that i can't imagine watching this movie and not noticing the weird dubbing in adr uh this is something they do to movies there should have been someone who knows how to do it on hand yeah Uh, yeah it doesn't have any reason to be as bad as it is so yeah yeah, i'll i'll I'll, I'll give it a one uh yeah i'll drop mine to a two uh and jessica give it a five Toxic, a banger. Wow. No. <laughs> Jessica, The Britney no. bump. The Britney bump. <laughs> Jessica. Can I prune her score? Okay. <laughs> Just for the Britney. That okay. would be an incredible uh, thing to add in, uh, to prune his score. All right, so uh, as we total up the, the score here, what do we think? Madam Web 2, is it going to happen? Please, no. <laughs> is it going to be a thing where they bring her back in some multiverse movie in 10 years and people are going to scream in the theaters because <sighs> she's oh, back? Is it going to be an Andrew Garfield thing where she gets a redemptive cameo? I mean, in... that, could, that literally could happen. Yeah. And yeah. it would blow everyone's mind. <laughs> Look, I'll say that like the version of the movie that I pitched is what this movie tees up in the final moments. Like uh, yeah. three spider women who are, um, you know corralled by a Madam Web mentor who helps them see the future and guide their choices. Yeah, that's a movie I wanted to see. Uh, And if a second movie is that, great. But again, I don't want it to be Dakota Johnson. I want it to be Melanie Griffith. Like, I don't, (laughs) like, I just think conceptually this movie is so flawed and is such a mistake that I don't want Sony to try this again. I don't think Sony should be allowed to make another Marvel movie <laughs> that doesn't have like the MCU uh, attachment and guidance. Like, I just think like I, I take that back. The across the Spider Verse into the Spider Verse movies are obviously gold standard. Um, the studio itself is not to blame, but this approach that they right. are taking yeah. with Venom and Morbius and Craven, it's just I think is so mistaken. And I think the best of it that we've seen has been the first Venom film. But even that is not a blank check that you can just keep cashing again and again and again because that movie was also deeply flawed and was saved only really by Tom Hardy and uh, and some decent VFX, I think. Sure. Mm -hmm. Uh, But no. I I mean, very telling that this is the first superhero movie in. 10 years or something with no post credits tease. Like that's fine. Oh, yeah. You couldn't that's get okay. a you couldn't get a Dr. Michael Morbius to show up. You didn't yeah. Yeah. <laughs> The fact that there's no Craven stuff in this movie is pretty telling that they have this other movie they need to promote and they're yeah. just like, "Nope, never mind. No no yeah. tease to, uh, pocket universe. It's a what if." Uh, yeah. so yeah, I think they I think everyone involved kind of knows Dakota yeah. Johnson clearly knows. Uh, so yeah, I, I think this will probably just be a weird yeah. trivia question in 10 years. But um, yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't want to say that like this movie should have just been like what Warner Brothers is doing and just like destroying these movies as tax write-offs. Sure. No, I oh, think at the boy. end of the day, I'm glad that we have Madam Web in our lives so yes. that we could all see it and learn <laughs> We from all had it. a fun time. She yeah. brought us yeah. together. She really brought the three of us, together. like the three <laughs> oh, spider yeah. women. Here we are. <laughs> oh my God, I can't wait to get powers. And we're going to kill Ezekiel Sims, the three of us. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is kind of fun. And it does have, there's a little bit of a, like a cat's energy around the movie where sure. people are, and, and again, I think some of the criticism is unfair, but there's a, there's a fun, so bad it's good quality yeah. that I think people are at least kind of having a good time. But with. not as good as Morbius. Morbius had that. Morbius, they re-released <laughs> in theaters. You at least had yeah. uh, the dance, the, what's yeah. the name? Matt Smith. Matt Smith's uh, goofy yeah. dance. Like, you had those moments of Morbius. I don't think you have that in this movie. Sure, yeah. It, it, I, think, I think you are reaching if you're trying to make this, like, a midnight movie. But. I mean, w- could we say Sydney Sweeney doing this to Toxic might be that? Oh or when God. they do the, when, hold on, when they do the whatever, the, the, oh, the, yeah, yeah. the Brady Bunch move <laughs> there, on the table. Them, so 
the toxic needle drop happens. They're like dancing around in a diner. Yeah. They're being uh, they're being impulsive. You're they're being impulsive, <laughs> she says. We won't be impulsive. Sorry, we're we're, we're too impulsive. Um, they clearly were not given any choreography. They're just riffing dances yeah. in this diner while non-speaking extras just like watch them. Yeah. Uh, right. Those Midtown High basketball students are just like, what is our note? They're like, yeah. we can't pay these guys to say a line. They just watch <laughs> the dance. And yeah, they're clearly just riffing and there's probably no music playing. Oh, oh absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. They, they were dancing to silence. They might not have even known what song oh, it was. No. And they're just yeah, like, they're like uh, we're, we're going to try to clear something else, but we'll settle for Oh toxic. my God, guys, you're right. They did not know. There's no way they knew that yeah, they were dancing to Toxic yeah. because Sydney Sweeney would have been doing something very different. Oh, 100%. Sydney Sweeney knows how to work a sure. camera. Yeah. But I think she was also making a choice to be like a nerdy I'm girl a who dork. doesn't dance. Yeah, but. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, when you hear Britney Spears Toxic, in any setting, it's going to take control of your bones. Right. And move you You're not going to do Brittany the mashed intended. potato. You're not, yeah. <laughs> you're gonna I don't know cool. if this is the mashed potato. Yeah. You're going to look, yeah. you're going to have a great time. Yeah. And um, they didn't look like they were having fun. <laughs> um, and speaking of not having a great time. No. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> terrible segue. And speaking of having a great time, mm -hmm. the final score for this movie is a 42. Wow. Hey. wow. Higher than I expected. I'm glad I put zero in it there. Is, it is out of a million, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I changed that rule. Um, yeah. We're kind of halfway between the critics' average and the audience score on Rotten nice. Tomatoes. So okay. I think yeah. that's fair. I, I yeah. think audience score is way too high. I think the critics' score is probably a bit too low. But is this the worst of the, definitely the worst of the Sony Marvel? This is worse than more. Morbius? Yeah. I did, you know, I didn't see Morbius. Okay. Yeah. And I kind of like the Venom movies. I think the Venom movies have been yeah. a lot yeah. of fun. Oh, so. Venom movies are definitely better than this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I have high hopes for Craven this season. Oh, as we all should. Just because I think Aaron Taylor Johnson, based off of the trailer footage, seems to be eating this movie yeah. up. And at least he's going to make some big swings. Um, he loves to swing. Yeah, I think uh, this is not the worst super... This is not as bad as Catwoman. Uh, Halle Berry Catwoman. Mm. Oh, I, that's another one I haven't seen. I gotta I just, see it. Because some people are saying this is the worst superhero movie of all time, and I don't think that's no, fair. No, I don't think so. I don't think so. But it's hard to say. It yes. is hard to say. The fact that it's part of the conversation. <laughs> the the Roger Corman Fantastic right. Four? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think there's some real campy ones. I'm yeah. thinking like big studio, sure. big studio ones. The, the Shadow, maybe. Green is Lantern oh, is Green pretty Lantern. bad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, hey, let us know in the comments if you think it's the worst superhero film of all time. But that's mm -hmm. it for us today. Make sure to subscribe, subscribe to the Breakroom channel on YouTube. And give us a follow on Twitch where we do videos like these live. Uh, where can people find you guys? Hey, I've got a graphic novel coming out <gasps> later this year. Uh, it is available for pre-order now. It is called Youth Group. I did it with a great artist named Bowen oh. McGurdy, who uh, is from a great series called Spectre Inspectors and several issues of Marvel Comics you might have read. Uh, it is a YA horror comedy about teenage exorcists. Um, we're trying to bring some Buffy vibes. We're trying to bring some Shaun of the Dead vibes. It's a horror comedy. Um, if you want to check it out online, bit.ly slash youthgroupbook, bit.ly slash youthgroupbook, and you can see the great cover. You can see a bunch of the interior art and get a bunch of pre-order links. Uh, it's called Youth Group, and if it sounds cool, please pre-order it. It really helps books. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Looking yeah. forward to checking that out. Uh, you can find Eric and I on New Rockstars and The Break Room. And hey, we'll catch you later. See ya. Thanks for listening. You can check out our Break Room live streams at Break Room NR on Twitch at 3 p.m. Pacific. And don't forget to subscribe on YouTube. You can find us at Break Room NR on Instagram and X. Thanks for listening. Later, Gators.